Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation with Shar Dalton in our inaugural interview from inside the general counsel's office. Shar is a creative and versatile attorney bringing a unique perspective to the corporate legal function. Shar is a member of senior management and serves in a corporate generalist capacity. In her current role as general counsel and vice president for SECO Logistics, she manages legal issues for SECO's worldwide entities as well as handling her responsibilities for the human resources and compliance teams. Her global legal responsibilities include corporate governance, commercial transactions, litigation management, contracts, and other legal affairs for the organization. Shar, welcome back to Paradigm Shift. Hi, Tina. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. So, Shar, in our last episode, you walked us through highlights of your professional career as well as your journey to the GC role at SECO Logistics. You also shared some of the things you have found most rewarding and challenging about your role. So why don't you tell us about another critical part of your GC role, which we touched upon in our last segment, uh, but we'd love to hear more detail about your relationships and interactions with your president and CEO, uh, other members of the C-suite and the board. Absolutely. And thanks again for having me back. And this is a question that is uh, near and dear to my heart when I think about uh, relationships here at SECO Logistics with uh, both my CEO and, and also our chairman. So when I first came on at, at SECO Logistics, it was Bill Washer, who is our founder and chairman of 40 years, who recognized the need for general counsel and really just paved the way to, um, you know, being the change agent and architect that saw that as being so necessary at SECO and transitioning from his leadership to James Gagne, our current CEO and president, has been just a fun transition for me and something I just feel honored to be a part of at SECO. Um, both, both individuals, you know, the last time we talked, Tina, I said that, you know, you can't be effective in your role as a GC without a CEO that supports you that appreciates the paradigm shift. Ha ha, there it is again. <laughs> between the business and the legal. You know, it's, it's the, the partnership between lawyers and, and business people, certainly the GC role over years has just changed. And so it is that paradigm shift and is that recognition of the fact that, you know, no longer are GCs just in-house being the administrator or the doer of the legal work. They're actually really fundamental to the strategy and planning and conversations about risk and opportunity at the company. So I am super honored and um, humbled by the opportunity I have at SECO because I've worked for these amazing leaders and the things that James Gagne is doing at SECO right now are just really, really exciting. Could not be more thrilled to be on his team and to be working for him. So inspirational leaders who paved the way absolutely are fundamental. And for our listeners out there, if you've got an inspirational leader, you know, I, my advice is, you know, to, to 
hook your cart up and to them and, and, you know, make sure that you follow them and, and, uh, you know, appreciate the impact that they're having on, on your career and, and uh, your role. Um, and then just the C-suite generally and the board, Tina, um, you know, with all these partnerships, whether it's a legal role or a business role that you're in, I mean, trust is, is just fundamental. Um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot on our team at SECO um, amongst our executive leadership team about trust because we've, we've read, um, you know, we kind of get reading assignments that we, you know, we read and then we talk about together as a team as we all try and challenge each other to keep growing. And um, the last book that uh, James had given all of us was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Have you read that? No, I haven't, but it sounds Ooh, really, really in, yeah, it sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. How often are you guys reading books? Um, maybe at least one every quarter, I would say. Yeah, I mean, That's so it's great. It's not, it's not a, a burdensome, um, you know, task by any means. And they're usually pretty quick reads. And um, I'll, I'll loan you this five dysfunctions of a team because it's been, it's, it's an interesting book. And one of the things that I got out of it was um, that if you're not, if you don't have the layer of trust um, it, it, with your teammates, with the C-suite, then you're not having constructive discord. And without having some sort of debate that is healthy, that, you know, challenges each other, then there is a dysfunction on the team. So I think just having that that level of trust um, is just really fundamental. Yeah, that's really critical, and I'd love to check that book out. I would imagine that these reading assignments do. You, so, do you sit around kind of like a book club and talk about them? No. However, I am going to start encouraging us to do that beginning this week because James has asked me to lead the charge here as a champion to get the team together without him once a month, and so we'll start kind of dialoguing as, as a group. And the goal of those conversations is not, not only to check in with each other and hold each other accountable to um, individual goals that we all share with each other, but also I think it should be an opportunity for us to discuss things like, you know, the recent books that we've read and how we apply the lessons from those reading materials to, to our team here. That sounds really interesting. And I can't wait to check that book out and, let You'll me know like what it. else you're reading because it sounds like you you're reading some very interesting and provocative books. Yeah, I've read a couple of them and you will like that book. I'll loan it to you. Thank you. So Shar, it's a big bad world out there as we were touching upon in our last segment. It is. Um, what are the so what are the things that are keeping you up at night so to speak these days as a general counsel? So I don't think I'm atypical in my response that I'm about to give you, Tina, because what's going to comes to the top of my mind is just cybersecurity. I think it's on the top of everyone's mind, whether you're leading the company, whether you're outside counsel, general counsel, it's just, it, it, it is such a, um, a peril that we all have to be prepared for. Um, and there's levels of complexity to making sure that you have cybersecurity readiness in place. And even when you do have it in place, nobody's immune, as we've seen, you know, from recent things in the press. I mean, the, the latest Experian, you know, breach. And, um, you know, I think I mentioned in an earlier session about SECO service offerings, too, that we have a really sophisticated and robust 
set of solutions that we offer. We, we offer technology solutions and SaaS solutions that sometimes handle our clients' personal data. You know, we have, uh, we support clients that ship, um, you know, B2C. So with that level of data, you know, we have to make sure that we have security in place, that we have very robust uh, measures in the event that there is ever a breach. So I'm fortunate at SECO that we have a, a CEO and James Gagne, as well as a chief technology officer that I work with who are just really both supportive of our cybersecurity initiatives. We meet monthly to go over and review the activity from the prior month. We actually carve out time to review and discuss that report and to discuss any vulnerabilities or ideas from the CTO or myself that maybe we could roll out. So that that technology piece of it um, is is probably what keeps me up at night the most when I think about what we do as a company. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I I think you're absolutely right that you are not alone in having those concerns. I mean, other other answers I've heard are employment issues, especially mm-hmm. in the height of the Me Too movement, as well as intellectual property issues as well. Um, my guess is that you've, you know, seen things in both of those areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can help me try to turn the, the China legal system around when printers <laughs> who, who brand squat, then I would love it if we can just, we can make that a more friendly, user-friendly system for us. I, I will do my best. You know that. Thank you. <laughs> So um, turning to another aspect of, um, you know, important things for general counsel to handle and to inspire their legal department with regard to are the outside counsel relationships. Um, You and I have talked many times about what it takes uh, to develop a trusted advisor relationship with outside counsel. And I'm sure our listeners would love to hear from you um, about the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of your experiences with outside counsel and what you think it takes to develop that trusted advisor relationship. So when I think about the best relationships I have with outside counsel, Tina, I think about a person who I will pick up the phone and call at any hour and say, you know, I have this issue or I have this, you know, problem and their immediate response is to listen and jump in and help. They also, the, the, the people who are best in at developing these relationships that I've worked with over the years from outside counsel are also laser focused on where, where the client needs to get. So where, where does SECO want this matter or this issue to go? That's usually the first question. And then how do we get you there? And in in that strategy and those discussions that you have about whatever legal issue you're dealing with or matter, transparency about fees and, and budget discussions, I, I rarely ever even have to bring it up with the outside counsel that I consider my most trusted advisors because just like when I work with you on an issue, you're the first person to say, okay, Char, well, let, let's, let's stop and strategize and let me lay this out for you in a couple different ways and let's think creatively because I know you've got a limited budget here. So those are the people that are, are the trusted advisors when I think about the best 
outside council relationships that we have. Um, the, the, the ugly and the bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I, so I think when I think the, the, the bad and the ugly experiences I've had over the years, and I, I really just start to try and extrapolate and digest what's happened. I think it, it really, in most cases, has boiled down to a lack of kindness, which is interesting because I would think that when I'm paying the bills and I'm the client, this would be the golden rule is, you know, you'd be kind to the client. But I think there's, there's a lot of stress in the legal profession, and we deal with just really difficult um, and challenging problems at times, and it taxes all of us. All of us are, um, you know, none of us are immune from, you know, uh, having a, a lapse of, you know, good behavior. And I've really seen over the years um, in deal fatigue situations and things where there's just been a lot of pressure on the legal teams, um, you know, a, a, where there's a kindness that's, that's broken down. And um, particularly when it comes from you know, lawyer to support staff. And I just, I really don't have any tolerance for that. You're absolutely right. I, th I thought you were going to tell me that you've had outside counsel be mean to you, which boy, that's not <laughs> a good way to pay your bills. But um, I, I completely agree with you that, you know, it's at times when people are stressed or overtired that I, I think it's a big lesson for all of us to just take a step back and understand that those are pressure points that many of us share among among ourselves and that it's really important to just understand what we do um, when we're under extreme stress so that we can manage around those things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, you know, when you get in situations and outside counsel are interfacing directly with many layers of either the legal team or in some cases, even the business team where we haven't had the resources to, to manage projects um, entirely within the department, we, we may ask outside counsel to step in and do a little bit more. And in those circumstances, that, that kindness and, you know, heightened sense of, um, you know, just professionalism, it, it just goes such a long ways. Um, because the, the council that I'm working with are, in my opinion, uh, they're an extension of the legal department, they're a reflection. So I think that's an important piece too for outside counsel to be aware of um, when they're engaging with our teams and then reaching over and, and dealing with our business folks too. So switching gears, um, because I, there's so many things I want to ask you and we have Sure. you know, an, an hour to chat. You spend so much time at, at your job. You love it so much. You're so great at it. Um, but you are also a wonderful example of why it's important and how you can incorporate things like trade associations into your professional repertoire. Why don't we chat for just a few seconds about your involvement with organizations like the Association of Corporate Counsel and what you find to be the most important takeaways for you from being being part of these organizations? I'd love to. So Association of Corporate Counsel has a special place in my heart because 10, 10 plus years ago when I relocated to Chicago and I had this in-house counsel job, I really, I, I mentioned I started up a legal department for a subsidiary of a a publicly traded Japanese multi-billion dollar conglomerate. So I was a bit of an island here in the, this U.S. entity. And 
the legal department for the rest of the company was, you know, in Fukuoka and I, I had no, you know, regular cadence or contact with them. And so I, in this really small legal team, I ended up making relationships with um, a few people at, at Association for Corporate Counsel. Um, and this was around the time when uh, your, your husband, David Sussler, was um, president after, after Dan Harper was chapter president. So I'm going back to, I think, 2009, 2010, 11, somewhere around there. And I just had such support from the legal community through ACC Chicago that it just really meant a lot to me. So over the years, I've started getting more involved. I've been on committees and chairing committees for several years now, and now I'm on the board and just again honored to be part of um, such a wonderful group of people and um, such a great uh, chapter here. And I also um, do, I, I, I'm running for the local school board in uh, District 203 in Naperville right now. I'm very excited to try and get a little bit more involved in the local community schools if I get elected in that. So for any listeners out there who are Naperville 203 voters, please vote for me on April 2nd. If I could vote for you, Shar, I would, but I'm going to, because I can't, because I'm not out there, um, I'm going to encourage our listeners to vote for you. you. So that's, that's very exciting. I would imagine that you've got to be pretty excited about that. What made you decide that you wanted to run? Well, I've always been really productive if I have an opinion about things or if things somewhat irritate me. And I've, I've had a few little, you know, bees in my bonnet, I suppose, of, of things in the schools that um, I just really wanted to have a bit more input on. I feel like my kids do a ton of standardized testing, Tina. You would not believe how many hours these young little human beings spend being tested on a regular basis. And I know some of that is state mandated, but I also just really, you know, I, I want to I want to have some input and insight into more of the social awareness, anti-bullying, mental health awareness that I think is is paramount, um, even to some of the academic curriculum, if I can be so bold, um, particularly in elementary middle school where the there, you know, I I want kids to be happy and, and develop good self-esteem and social awareness at that stage. And it just seems like the bar is set so, 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 so high. And they're in these phenomenal schools. And you don't, you don't want to complain about anything because they have such tremendous resources available. But I think that there could be a lot more emphasis placed on some of the softer things that I've just mentioned. So that was really the primary impetus. And also I've, I've, volunteered in schools a lot throughout the years through ACC street law, through the lawyers in the classroom program. Um, and I just really love mentoring young people. And, um, you know, if I can give back in some way, I, I really would love to in, in the educational system. Well, we here at Paradigm Shift wish you the best of luck in running for office. You would be terrific in that role. You're such a role model and you really care and make such a huge difference. So you're going to have to keep us posted on how that goes. Thank you, Tina. I absolutely will. So what is next for you, Shar? You've got so much great stuff going on. Um, you're a wonderful mother. You've got three beautiful kids who I love hanging out with. Um, <laughs> you've got a terrific career. You've got a, a wonderful circle of friends. You know, when you look at your life now as it is, what 
Where do you think you're headed, both in the short as well as the longer term? So I think in in the, um, I, I guess my, you know, five to 10 year tract that I see for myself, Tina, professionally, I would love to transition into um, a more of a business role, I think, one day than even just being GC. I would love to even be on a CEO track and potentially run a company one day. Um, and I, I'm really just enjoying the journey right now. I am having such um, tremendous satisfaction from all of the great things that I'm doing here at Seco and just really enjoying it. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, personally, I've just got a lot of um, excitement in my life with three beautiful, fantastic kids that I love being with. And so I, um, I'm, I'm enjoying where I'm at right now. And uh, I think um, I was talking to my, my friend this week and she was talking to me about um, this um, verse that she had read that says, perhaps this is the moment for which you've been created. And I was like, well, that's a really kind of a cool verse. And we had this conversation about, you know, as, and I said, it's kind of like when somebody says to you, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And I always think that there is a greater purpose that is yet to be discovered. And part of the fun of life is the journey and, and waiting to discover it and being open to it too, when it, when it presents itself to you. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I think I've picked up more turns of phrase from you in this chat we've had. <laughs> Than I have in a long time. I'm going to have to listen back to the, sh you know, back on the show and uh, jot some of them down because they're awesome. Thank you. So if you could give our listeners any advice, whether it's personal or professional, you know, you've, you've had such an amazing career, an amazing life, great kids, great family, great friends. You know, if you just would look back on your life now, personal, professional, both, and you could give our listeners some advice, what would that be? So I think what we just talked about a minute ago of, of being open to, um, you know, perhaps the moment for which you were created because very amazing opportunities can present themselves to you when you least expect them. And we just ha need to have our eyes open to them as, as one bit of personal advice. And I think professionally, um, you know, my, my professional advice, in addition to the authenticity comments that and discussion we've had, Tina, is just always to be prepared. So I, I really struggled initially in my um, journey along the way because I came from such a um, high-risk, you know, background in, in the high school I came from, and then I ended up really just getting this academic scholarship to University of Michigan Ann Arbor, and by the time I got there, I was in so far over my head, and um, not to derail the conversation, but I was not prepared for the rigor of that school at the time that I first started, and skip to the end, I ended up graduating U of M Ann Arbor with a 3.98 GPA, Wow. And, yeah, I did it because I outworked everyone because I recognized, I felt like, you know what, I'm not as smart as all these people because they had just come from environments that had prepared them so much better. And so I learned really early on, I had to work harder and I had to be prepared. And if this meant staying up late or spending extra time digging into an assignment or an issue that I thought was going to be asked, that's what I did. And applying that to your professional life, 
um, you know, I think is really, really important because if you have the honor and the privilege to serve in a role like I do as general counsel for SECO, there's always going to be someone else out there who would love to have this opportunity to be the GC. And no one invites me to meetings or, you know, um, to, to have input for, you know, just for my personality. I'm there for my legal acumen. I'm there for the advice that I can give. So I'm, I'm, I believe very firm, firmly and wholeheartedly in preparation for your role, for your day ahead, for what you think is required in order to do, um, to give the best advice that, that you can give to your client, your company. Great advice. And, you know, you are one of the most wise people I have ever met. So <laughs> I, I, I hope that you know that, that you, and I think you are that to many, many people. And it has just been such an honor and a privilege to have you on Paradigm Shift. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. You are very kind. And I'm so happy to have been on Paradigm Shift. Thanks so much for inviting me, Tina. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So before we sign off, where can our listeners find you? So our listeners can find me on LinkedIn. I am also on www.seqlogistics.com under Meet Our Executive Team. You can read about me on the company website. And also, because of my Board of Education campaign, I can be found on www.shardaltonfor203board.com. Thanks again so much, Char, and best of luck in your um, running for office, so to speak. And we're keeping our fingers crossed, and I hope that our listeners in Naperville run and vote for you. And um, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Likewise. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed our incredible conversation with Char Dalton in our kickoff interview from inside the General Counsel's office. We hope that you will join us next week. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.